0: This is the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and FearlessPresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Stannard, president of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you get rid of public speaking fear and really increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. This podcast is brought to you by FearlessPresentations.com. And if you're new to the, the podcast, I know that a lot of you that are out there uh, are are probably in a situation where you're listening to this podcast because you want to be better at speaking in front of a group, or you want to reduce that public speaking fear. And the Fearless Presentations public speaking class is the absolute fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. We do these classes in pretty much every major city in the United States in Canada, and Canada and a number of cities in Europe. And we do, and it, it, since they are two days, they're very easy. It's if even if you're not in one of these cities that we're teaching in, that you can fly in, take the class, and get back home. A lot of times, with at a at a very low cost. So, uh, let me give you an update on the classes that are coming up, because I know a lot of folks will will be listening to the the podcast and and be kind of wondering when are you going to be doing something in my area. So, the very next classes that we have coming up, if you're listening to this sometime around the time that we recorded it which is in early June. Uh, We have classes in Portland, Chicago. Uh, Actually, the only two classes that we have left in June are Portland and Chicago. There's still a couple of seats, I think, in each one of either one of those classes, if you if you're interested. We also have classes in Denver and Minneapolis, Charlotte, San Francisco, Houston and uh, Kansas City. All of those are coming up in July. So quite a few classes in July if you're interested um, I I know that um, a number of these classes are are going to be ones that I'm actually going to be teaching myself. So if you're interested in meeting me or coming out and seeing me, if you uh, you can basically just kind of call our 800 number and you can find out which ones of those classes that that have me scheduled to teach them, and uh, I'll be happy to meet with you in person. So Doug, what's today's hot topic? So in this session of the Fearless Presentations podcast, we're going to give you seven stellar presentation enhancers that really add impact really to any speech. So you've written a great speech, but now you want to make that great speech a phenomenal speech. Well, well, these presentation enhancers will help really help you add impact to really any presentation, any speech. Now, some are going to be better in some areas and some are going to be in, better in other presentations. But keep in mind that that the, the ideas that we're going to cover on this in this session will really help you kind of jazz up your presentations, make them more fun, make them more interesting, make them more relatable to the audiences that you're presenting to. So I'll go ahead and give you an outline of what the seven items are, and then we're going to cover them, each one of them in, in more detail. So the first one is anecdotes. Now anecdotes are very similar to the stories that we've talked about in previous podcasts, but a lot of times these are just kind of funny stories or, or a story that makes a point to uh, with the bullet that you're offering them. Now, the second impact idea or the second presentation enhancer that we're going to talk about is a demonstration. So that's where you actually show your audience what you're talking about as well as tell them. So give them a demonstration. The third one is a quote. And a lot of times folks will kind of overuse quotes or use them in kind of strange ways. We're going to show you some really good ways to actually use quotes so that your audience really likes what you're talking about. And then a sample is another idea. So if you have something that the audience can see, touch, feel that can sometimes add more impact than just a description of that item. Uh, the, the fifth item is a name drop. So it's kind of like a quote, except you're not really quoting a person. you just you're, you're basically giving a, uh, an, a person or a company name, uh, somebody that agrees with what you're talking about, or that that backs up your, your point. And so you can use those in, a, in, a, in really effective ways. and I'll kind of show you how to do that as well. Uh, the sixth one is non-PowerPoint visual aids, basically anything other than PowerPoint. Now, I am not anti-PowerPoint. I love PowerPoint, but a lot of times it gets kind of overused. So we're going to show you some things other than PowerPoint that you can use for visual aids to kind of break up your presentation a little bit. And then finally, the last one is showmanship. You know, you never want to e- underestimate the entertainment value of your presentation. So with all that being said, let's go to uh, the fir- very first one. Um, the, the very first thing that we're going to talk about is an anecdote and anecdotes are great because because they they a lot of times they'll add some humor to your presentation or it's another there's a second type of anecdote that you can use that can help you add more credibility to your presentation as well so another in, in other posts, we've covered stories and examples and we've done that in great detail and and, and in fact personal stories, or real life examples from your own personal experience that, that clarifies your presentation. Those things are great to add into your presentation. The main reason why those are, are a, 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 like a backbone of the presentations that we encourage people to design is that they're really easy to deliver. If I live something, if I was there, if I was an eyewitness to it, I can basically just play the video in my head and recite back what I what I saw or what I experienced. So those are really easy. Um, when you relay success stories from your own experience, then your audience kind of realizes that you have that experience. That you're the expert on that topic that you're speaking speaking about. Anecdotes are a little different, though. Anecdotes can be either you know funny incidents, true or fictitious, uh, that help you kind of make your point, or they can also be a second person or a third person story that um, it, that was experienced by somebody else. So let's kind of go into each one of those two categories. So the first one. Is just kind of a funny story. Now, I'm not a big fan of of just telling jokes just to, to add jokes into a you know like a random joke into a speech. However, funny anecdotes that make your point are very very useful. You'll notice that a lot of the most professional, the most sought after speakers on on uh, keynote uh, in in keynote speaking sessions, those kind of things are going to be the speakers that get people laughing. So it's a good way to add comedy. It's a good way to add humor. But they have to make a point. You know, just telling a joke just to tell a joke doesn't necessarily work. So the neat thing about the world that we live in today is that it's so much easier to add humor into your presentations because if you have some content that you're presenting to your audience, all you really have to do is just go to Google, type in the phrase, something like, you know, funny story about and then fill in the blank. Funny story about whatever the... I don't care what presentation that you're talking about... What, what kind of information you're presenting to the idea? You could you could say cancer for God's sakes. I mean that's not a funny topic, but you can type in funny story about cancer, and I'm pretty sure you're probably going to get some humorous kind of anecdote that, that, somewhere on on Google. Somebody will have had some type of experience that cracked everybody else up. So um, just keep that in mind. So once you find that funny anecdote, then you just have to to make sure to tie it in with the point that you're making. That's that's that. Sometimes takes a little bit of, of um, kind of massaging, but as long as you can tie that funny story into the bullet point or the the topic or the point that you're making, it makes it really easy. So I give you an example of how I did this recently. So I t- um, I typed in fu- uh, funny public speaking failures, right? So that's that was the thing that I typed into to Google, and I found a really humorous kind of story uh, from uh, uh, it's it's from um, from the Gennard method. Mm-hmm. Website. And basically, what the, the, the speaker who kind of wrote this down basically said, he said, while traveling to Sister Cities Chamber of Commerce Business Exchange Group to Naga, N- I can't even pronounce it, <laughs> Nagoka, Japan, he said, it was asked to speak um, about uh, after breakfast about marketing in the U.S. So seeking the opportunity to show off my linguistic skills, I asked my interpreter how to pronounce the words on on the distance signs for ladies and gentlemen, right? So apparently the person saw signs on the wall, said ladies and gentlemen, and wanting to add that in to the presentation thought it might be a really cool thing to do. So after practicing to myself, I began my speech with, good morning, ladies and gentlemen in Japanese. This got quite a reaction from the audience, and, and I delivered a killer 20 minutes of marketing wisdom and sat down to generous applause. I was was quite pleased with myself. Only later did I learn that how strange my greeting was. One of the hosts gently inquired why I had started my talk with good morning toilets and urinals. (laughs) So anyway, so... um you know, I mean, you can you can ha- add some some kind of humorous, kind of funny stuff in there. And again, that was the first random thing that kind of popped up. It's a funny story. You know, if I happen to be speaking on uh, times when folks got up in front of a group and they didn't do as well as what they wanted to, you know, then then it, it, we can use kind of stories like that in a, in a speech. As long as I'm drawing my um, after I tell the speech, I kind of draw it back to the point that I'm making in my presentation. Now, so. those kind of things are are fun They're, they're a good way to add humor into your presentation good way to add humor into your speech there's a second type of anecdote though that we use a lot more especially when I'm when I'm doing training in public speaking When I'm coaching people, I typically will encourage them to use this type of anecdote more often than just the funny stories. It's the second or third person story. Now, although our own personal stories help us really build our credibility as an expert on the topic, another person's story can be practical, in fact, even more practical in a lot of the situations that we're speaking in. For instance, let's say you're a sales representative and you're you're trying to sell a, a service or a product to uh, to a client or a potential client well the problem with that is that you are biased, right? So if I if I'm a sales guy and I'm talking about my own personal experience using this product, they're going, oh yeah, you're the sales guy, right? However, if I can relay a a story of one of my other clients that were in a similar situation to what this person is, and kind of show how that person had a success with my product or service, now all of a sudden that adds a little bit more credibility. It's not me saying it; it's now it's my my client. It's something that can be verified, right? They can actually, if, if I tell the story and they want more details, they can. Actually actually call that client up and get more details right so so the second person story it will often add uh, more credibility to um to your presentation because it's coming from a secondary source or a third person source um I, I, i'll give you a good example of this I, I i just this last week i had a scientist in my class who studied melanoma so she was a cancer researcher and although her, her stories of actually doing the research added a lot of clarity to the presentations that she gave us in, in the class, she got more impact by telling stories of patients who had survived cancer based on the story, studies that she had done. So when she called, told a couple of those kind of stories, now all of a sudden, that adds even more credibility than what, than to what she's telling us, right? So when you read, uh, by the way, just a little a little cautionary note, when you retell a story from your own personal experience, it takes very little practice. I mean, you can just play the video in your head and just kind of recite back what's going on. However, when you relay a story that, that you receive from from another person, another source, you might want to practice that delivery a few times because it, if you leave out even just a few of those details, it will become confusing for the, for the audience. So be very, very careful. Hey, by the way, let me kind of back up a little bit because um, even though we're going to cover these seven, th- all seven of these things that will help you get more impact, let me kind of back up because one of the things that you want to keep in mind is that you want to proceed with caution when you add these things into your presentation. Before you just start adding a bunch of impact ideas in your speech, you want to proceed with caution because the presentations enhancers will make a good presentation a great presentation, however, if you have a poorly designed presentation and you add in the enhancers it just makes it worse right so um, a good analogy or a good example of this in 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 real life was I remember back when I was a kid um, I, I remember watching a, a uh, Bill Cosby special he was on I think it was on HBO when I was a kid Bill Cosby himself and I remember I mean it was on for like years and so everybody kind of saw this this was you know pre you know, the conviction and everything. So, this is back when everybody's still like Bill Cosby. But one of the funniest things that he said in that was he was talking about cocaine. He said he had a friend of his that was on cocaine. He went up to his friend and said, Why do you like that? Why do you take cocaine? And, and uh, his friend said, Because it intensifies your personality. And so, Bill Cosby kind of pauses and he says, Yeah, but what if you're an a hole, <laughs> right? So, and that's kind of the way that. You know, Adding things into a presentation can be, if you, if you have a really good presentation and you add some of these impact ideas in, it will make it soar. It'll make it just stellar. If you have a really crappy presentation and you start adding more stuff in, it tends to kind of make it worse. So just kind of keep that in mind. So before you start adding a bunch of these anecdotes in or any of the other things that we're going to cover, you know, just make sure that you have a really well-designed presentation first and then add these things into a well-designed presentation. It'll make it a whole lot better. So number two, the second one is a demonstration. Sometimes it's much easier to kind of show someone a process than to tell them. Um, I remember when I was in the sixth grade, my uh, my teacher had us uh, teach each other a step by step process. Sounds real easy. The trick was though that the the person who was receiving the instructions had to do exactly what he or she was being told to do, and and they couldn't do anything more than exactly what he or she was being being told to do. So. Our assignment, I was on a little team and our and my little team had our assignment was to teach the class how to make a peanut butter sandwich. I we didn't have to put jelly on it. It was basically just teach them how to how to put peanut butter on a slice of bread. Sounds pretty easy, but um initially we said things like take the bread out of the plastic bag. And as soon as we did that, the person who was hearing us was doing exactly what we were what we said to do. So without you know taking the the twist tie off the bag or anything, just ripping a hole in the bag and then and and with a lot of force, and all of a sudden bread starts flying all over the room and everything. So we're like, okay, well we have to be a little bit more specific. So at that point, we started to um, kind of be a little bit more cautious with the instructions that we were giving. So we put like so the next thing we said was you know put a little Peanut butter on the knife, and of course the, the the guy who was kind of following directions just put the knife uh, the knife he hadn't even picked up the knife yet, so the knife was still sitting on the table. So he basically took the entire canister of peanut butter and stuck it on top of the knife, you know. So um, so anyway, so we kind of at that point we were thinking, okay, there must be some kind of trick to this, you know. There, there, and I know what the teacher was trying to do was trying to get us to add more clarity. In the instructions that we were given, giving so that it, it was going there was going to be less chance of the people in the audience to get confused. Um, but you know what we we decided to get a little creative. So um, what we did was, um, you know, after just a number of these miscues, we we kind of discussed a little strategy with myself and the other you know tiny speakers there. And we came up with the idea to go to the table ourselves, and then have one of us—you know, one of the one of the speakers—just say, "Just do what I do." <laughs> and then one, and then one of us made the sandwich, and then explained to the other people what we were doing in each step. So, by the way, we got an A on the project, and and really after we went, everybody else after us got an A on the project as well. So, I guess I guess we we were so creative that the teacher kind of. Um, felt sorry for us, I guess, more than anything else. But but uh, it kind of worked. We 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 accomplished the task that she was looking at, and that's really what she wanted us to do was really think outside the box so that we could communicate more effectively. So I never forgot that lesson though, and um, it's a whole lot easier to show somebody. How to do something rather than to just tell them, especially if it's a step-by-step process or if it's a complicated process, this type of visual aid is critical when you're teaching someone, especially if you're teaching them something technical or teaching them how to use a new software package or or something like that. You can tell them all you want, but if you show them step-by-step how to do it, it's going to be a whole lot more effective and easier, by the way, to, to explain. So the third one, the third impact idea that we're going to cover is a quote. Now, a a good quote will allow you to borrow the credibility of an expert temporarily. So you're going to temporarily borrow the credibility of someone else who is an expert in in the field. Now, Tom Peters, he's a famous motivational speaker who uses a ton of quotes in in his speeches. And, And Peters once actually said, he said, my conclusions are much more credible when I back them up with great sources and by the way I agree you know if you if you can back up your content with great sources it it makes it a whole lot easier to uh, design your presentations and a whole lot easier to kind of deliver those presentations now you're you basically basically what you're doing is you're giving your audience a second opinion so instead of them just relying on you as the expert now we're getting a second opinion or if we do a couple of quotes a third opinion even so uh, and it's real easy. Just like with the with the um, uh, the funny story above that we talked about, uh, you can actually just go to Google and put quotes about blank. You know, whatever it is that you're speaking on, quotes about blank, and you'll get a ton of websites that come up that will give you quotes related to that topic. It's very strange how many different websites that are out there, web pages that are out there that have quotes about just random, random topics. So if you don't find exactly what you're looking for, you might find something close enough anyway. So make sure that the quotes that you're adding, though, are short and that they're easy to remember, though. Because a lot of speakers will put very long quotes on a PowerPoint slide and then call that as a supporting point. I mean, that's to me that's like fingernails on the chalkboard. When somebody puts a big, huge quote up on the on the PowerPoint slideshow, and they look at the audience and say, "What does that quote mean to you?" You know, to, to me that's just that's just poor presentation skills. Um, because there's so many other things that you could be doing with that quote that can really help you make your point. Um, the, by the way, that's, that if you do something like that, whether, if you, whether you're reading the quote to the audience or you're allowing the audience to read the quote, you're likely to fall flat in front of a group anyway because nobody wants to read that stupid long quote that you just put up there. And, and if you read it to them, you're going to sound kind of strange. Uh, so you'll get much better results by just inserting a couple of easy-to-remember quotes that you can, you can uh, relate to your audience verbally. Um, Craig Hayden in uh, wrote a post that's called how to use quotes in your presentations and he said it really well He said short quotes pack more punch, which is phenomenal. I mean just really good um, concise way to to um, to kind of prove that that's there So anyway, so uh, the fourth one the fourth impact idea that you can use or the fourth way to really enhance your presentation is to give your audience a sample you know, so sometimes an item that a person can kind of see touch feel is a is a better visual aid than a, than a photograph or a slide. And and one of the best examples of this is it, when it was I, I was a class member that I had about a decade ago. And um, I was teaching a presentation class in Las Vegas and one of the participants that was in the program worked for the Southland Corporation. Now this is the company that owns like the 7-Eleven um, convenience stores, 7-Eleven gas stations, I can think. And at the time, Seven Eleven was having a big marketing—I don't want to say crisis—but they were having a big marketing challenge anyway. Because Seven Eleven, from the time that I was a kid, and probably even even younger than, oh, more longer than that anyway, um, they have spent a tremendous amount of time, money, effort to build up some really, really well-known brands. You know, the like for instance, they have a, a soft drink called the Big Gulp, thirty-two ounces of Big Gulp, and they have the Super Big Gulp too, right? And then they have the the big uh, honker of a of a uh, um, um, hot dog is called their big bite, you know the big bite. And then they have slurpees and that kind of stuff too. So these are fantastic trade names that they've the trademarks and trade names that they've built up over the the last you know three or four decades. Problem is is that the buyer has shifted dramatically though to much more healthy options, and so some of these things are are not marketing as well as what they. What they have in in the past, anyway. So, what the what this marketing person that worked for Seven Eleven was was kind of working on. One of her big um, projects was was um, uh, getting more healthy options into into the Seven Eleven stores. And one of the things that they were doing at the time was they were offering these really fresh, handmade deli sandwiches. Like you'd get in a in a in a real deli, you know. I'm I'm not talking about the like the subway type things where everything's kind of pre-cut and everything. I'm talking more like a, a you know, like a like a deli, it's like you'd see in a, like streets of New York kind of thing. So very well-designed, well well-made well kind of sandwiches. They were just beautiful. And so the woman who was in the class gave us a, a presentation in the, the first part of the second day. She she, We were helping her kind of design her marketing presentation, and she did a phenomenal job. It was great. And she was telling us about these sandwiches, and and we were kind of intrigued, but you know, I don't think any of us were going to go out for lunch and go to 7-Eleven. We right? weren't quite to that point yet. Um, so what she did, though, at lunch of that day was she went out and she got two samples. She, she got... Got a sample from her 7-Eleven store, one of the close the stores that were close to the to the uh, to the uh, location where we were teaching, and then she also went to a convenience store that was next door to the 7-Eleven and got a sandwich in their refrigerated section. So um, to describe the sandwich that she brought from the competitor, she she went and got one of those. I, I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but they're they're it's just a regular kind of sandwich like you'd make at home with with white white bread, you know, and it's and they're cut down the the center of the sandwich diagonally, so it creates two triangles, and those two triangles are shoved into this little triangle box, and it's got writing all over the the cover, so you can't even see what you can't even see the sandwich. You don't want to see the sandwich because it, Lord knows when that sandwich was made, and it's just been refrigerated for you know days or weeks or whatever so not the most appetizing type thing and then she got she um she had her sandwich which was you know really fresh and beautiful and it had um you know like fresh um uh bread that was you know kind of made in the store i guess and and then in addition to that it had this really really bright green uh lettuce leaf that was you know kind of symmetrical all the way around it i mean it looked like something that would you would use in a uh, a, a marketing photograph. You know, a lot of times when you're at a a, 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 um, uh, a um, fast food place or something like that, and you you see they have the food. On the marketing posters, and and then you actually order that thing, and it doesn't look anything like what's on the marketing poster. Well, this actually did. This was, you know, this sandwich looks really good. So when she gave her presentation, she gave she gave a, a, a during the the day of the presentation class, we were adding stuff into her presentation to really jazz it up. So adding some of these impact ideas and some of the other things that we cover in the class. And um, and when she finished, when she gave her final presentation at the end of the day, she used those two samples uh, as uh, as as one of her Visual aids. She kind of showed, she said, basically, this is what you get at our 7-Eleven store, and this is what you get at one of our competitors. So it was a it was a really cool way to um, to dramatize what she was talking about. Uh, so the sample kind of really worked for her. So number five, the fifth way that you can add or enhance your presentation, add something to your presentation is do what we call a name drop. Now a name drop is very similar to a quote. But we're not actually quoting the source. So a name drop would be uh, you. You could be it could be for uh, the the name of a famous person. Let's say you're selling products and and the um, uh, a, a a famous person actually uses your product, right? So you know like like for instance Air Jordans. You know obviously Michael Jordan is is sponsoring that product. So so the, those shoes are something that that are linked with him his personality. So um but it it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a famous person though it could be a company you know for instance since my company the leaders institute has taught we've taught presentation classes for like 400 of the fortune 500 the companies on the fortune 500 list you know so so we often um you know can name drop really big customers in the same industry of a company who is requesting information from us you know for instance if let's say that that somebody um, um is requesting information about one of our public speaking courses and we're going to give them a sales presentation and that person who's buying from us, or the potential buyer anyway, happens to work for a university. Well, you know, a lot of times in that kind of situation, we'll just list a number of other universities that we've talked presentation classes for. So like, for instance, we've taught classes for Texas A&M, for Boston University, for Harvard, you know, we've even taught, you know, presentation classes for Harvard. So those clients help add a lot of credibility to our speakers when, when we mention those big companies or those big organizations that we work for. Um, if, I were, if we were going to do the same thing, let's say um, uh, we get a, a, a request for information from uh, a real high-tech company so uh, it's real easy for us to kind of talk about other high tech companies that we've worked for cuz we've done classes for Google we've done classes for Facebook for uh for uh PayPal for Microsoft you know so a lot of the big companies the big tech companies have hired us to do classes for them so by using those those uh companies that we've worked in the past it's kind of we're name dropping in order to kind of show that if the person who's requesting information from us hires us they're not really taking as big a risk because those other big companies have already taken that risk in the past and they've succeeded as a result of taking that risk so so sometimes that can work really really well so when i'm teaching classes about how important it is to narrow down your content to 3 to 5 main points you know a lot of times we call this like the 3 point talk or the 4 point talk or the 5 point talk It's a really, really effective way and easy way to design a presentation, but we're not the only company that in not only um, presentation training company that uses a that type of 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 skill development. So uh, a lot of times I'll just name other professional speakers who also agree with me. So, for instance, when we're when we're teaching a the three point talk. We can reference uh, organizations like Slide Genius, you know, so that's a, that's a company or, or an organization that helps people make PowerPoint slides. And they, they believe that the three-point talk is a really good way to do it. Uh, Presentations Magazine has written articles about the three-point talk. Big training companies like the Dale Carnegie Organization and the American Management Association, they all believe in some sort of rule of three in in a presentation. So basically, by me name-dropping those other organizations, it makes it a whole lot easier for somebody somebody who's listening to that content to say, okay, well, this is probably on the up and up if all those different organizations actually believe the same thing that this guy is talking about, right? So I'm basically borrowing their credibility. Notice that in each of the examples though that I just that I just use, I'm not quoting any of the sources. all I'm saying is that each of the sources agrees with the statement that I'm making now of course, if any of the listeners who are the people who are in the audience, if they want to verify my claim, it's going to be real easy for them to do a google search and and by the way, and that I believe is one of the things that makes the the name drop so powerful is because it's almost it, it's basically what it does is it allows the inner Sherlock Holmes of the of the people in the audience members to really come out and do their own investigation because when they do, when they do that Google search and they see that the things that I as the speaker am saying that that I said were right on the money. It verifies. They get it. They're they're basically verifying what I'm saying through multiple different sources. So it's a really good way to kind of build up your credibility and get your audience to really agree with you and really persuade them. So so name dropping can be very helpful. The the sixth one that we're going to cover here is it, what I call the non PowerPoint visual aid. So basically anything other than PowerPoint that helps you get your point across. Now I'm not again. I'm not saying. Don't use PowerPoint. PowerPoint is a phenomenal tool, and I use it all the time. In fact, I use PowerPoint pretty much almost every day of my life, if if, if not every day, pretty close to it anyway. Very effective use of visual aid. So uh, what I'm saying, though, is that you just don't want to use PowerPoint as your only visual aid. You know, For instance, instead of just inserting a photo into a slide, and you, if you do that, by the way, when the, when it shows up on the on the screen, it'll show up for a few seconds, and as soon as you hit the arrow button, it's going to disappear, right? So um, it's, it has a it has a um, a short lifespan. So instead of doing that, you might put that same photo on a board or on a poster and put that in front of the in front of the group so they can see it for a longer period of time. It's got it's got a a greater longevity if you do it that way. Um, the a, a company that I worked with a few years ago was uh, was competing to win a contract it was for a five-year project this a really really long project and they were competing with a number of other companies one of the one of the companies that we were actually competing against this actually wasn't one that we we actually won but one of the companies that we were competing against had only one visual aid they didn't do any PowerPoint they didn't do anything else all they did was was they created a, a big huge Gantt chart. I think is what they call it. I am I'm, I'm not a project manager, but I'm pretty sure that's what they what they call it. It's basically it's a timeline of the entire project. And they made this stinking thing like twenty feet long. And they wheeled it in. It had like it had like three parts and they wheeled it in and kinda connected it together. And basically all they did for the forty five minutes that they were that they were giving their presentation was just go through that um, that Gantt chart, that timeline, step by step. So they they had it broken down into time, you know, periods or eras, and they would cover the first. The, the, they had one of the speakers that would cover the the initial part where it was. And kind of explain what was going to go on in the first two or three months and then somebody would cover the next six months and then somebody would cover the next six months and basically they just did it in kind of a story format so they were they were engaging the brains of the the people who are listening to the presentation to get them to really paint the picture of what this was going to look like whereas the rest of the the um the folks who were presenting actually did their presentations a little different they were they were um kind of talking about how they should get the job. <laughs> I should, we should get this job because we're good at blank, blank, and blank. Right? Whereas the uh, the the company that I ended up winning were the ones that helped them create that that um, that image in their minds of what success was actually going to look like on this project. So they got creative, and as a result of getting creative, they had some some really good success there. Um, I, I, I the. By the way, the um, um, I give you. Let me give you another example. This is a, one that just kind of hit me about a decade ago. I was coaching a team uh, that was trying to build a real high tech science center at, on the campus of the University of Texas, and the client that I was working with had done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buildings on university campuses before. So, I mean, they, they were definitely well qualified. But at the time, they the, this this project was for a a really high tech and I think it was like a microbiology center, it was a science center anyway, but the thing about this science center was that it had very specific types of, of um, uh, prerequisites or, or, or qualifications, things that had to be done in an exact specific way. So like for instance, um, since they were going to be doing a lot of experiments, the uh, the humidity had to be a constant rate. The um, the the temperature had to be a constant rate that that kind of thing so so there there were things that were very specific to this type of project and unfortunately the client that i was working for although they were very skilled and experienced in working with universities they hadn't actually they'd only done one project like this before and the one project that they had done was uh, for a really futuristic type building. So it was, uh, and they had a picture of it. It was beautiful, by the way. It was it was glass and aluminum and mirrors. And it looked like something out of out of Epcot. You know, it was it was a it was a pretty good looking um, building. But the moment that they showed that on the screen, we were we were in a the Hilton that overlooked the University of Texas campus in downtown Austin. When we were preparing the doing the final run through for the presentation, and um and I'm looking down the campus, I'm looking at the at the screen, I'm looking down at the campus, looking at the screen, and looking down at the campus, looking at the screen. I'm kind of noticing that, holy cow, that Epcot thing is not going to fit in on the campus that's already there now. Uh, if you've never been to the University of Texas, it's it's, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of it's kind of gothic, you know, it's like concrete pillars and and gargoyles and stuff like that you know it's a beautiful campus but it's you wouldn't when you look at it you wouldn't say man that's that's really futuristic so if they plop down this really futuristic looking building in the middle of that campus it was going to stick out like a sore thumb right so um you know once i kind of pointed that out to these to the the folks that were designing the presentation we we um kind of we had to kind of rethink exactly what what they were going to be doing in this presentation, so um they, and it by the way, didn't take a whole lot of convincing for the folks. you know, once I kind of made that 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 what seemed to be kind of obvious point, they were they were like, okay well, let's let's kind of do something a little different. So what they did was they sent one of the architects, one of the guys that was one of the leads in the in the project. they sent him down with a sketchbook. He had like a poster book. Um, like poster board and, uh, I would say it was but they were each one of the 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 s- sketchbook pages were kind of uh, they were. Uh- poster board like pages but they were about half the size of a poster board you know so it was pretty good size um posters anyway and he went down with a pencil and he just started sketching things that he saw he just walked around campus for it must have been maybe an hour or so and and just sketched things that that he liked it was just a pencil sketch right because he just wanted to be able to bring those sketches back up to the group and say Hey, if we're gonna make something that fits into this campus, these are some things that we might want to add. And when he brought the sketches back up, they were so good. I mean, they were they were works of art. They were really, really well done. Something that you would see a lot of times in, in like a museum or something. And so, um, so we ended up adding those into the presentation. So at, at a certain point in the final presentation, when they got it all honed down, down, they hit the W button on on the PowerPoint slideshow. When you do that, by the way, it just creates a white screen. And so with that white screen, uh, the the architect then kind of came up with a with a tripod with his with his sketches on them. And he basically just described the sketches one at a time. So he they were showing that white um that white background on the sketches, so it looked like it was a spotlight almost. It was it was a, it was a really cool way to um to add some creativity into the presentation, so and and basically all the architect did was he just went through sketch after sketch after sketch, showed the the folks who were making the decision the things that he liked about what was already on the campus, and by as a result of doing that, I, I think he really built some rapport with the folks who were there. They said I mean, these these guys know what we want, and so we were doing something that nobody else in that presentation were doing. We were we were um, using other visual aids that really captured the attention of the, of the audience so that they, they felt they had more rapport with us. So as a result, they ended up getting that job very, very quickly so those visual aids that you use can be very effective but you want to be careful to not just tie yourself to powerpoint powerpoint can do a lot of good things and i would encourage you to experiment with powerpoint and do some really cool visual aids there as well but if you can get away from the powerpoint slideshow a lot of times you can you can make yourself seem very different from the other folks that are presenting in a real positive way anyway so the seventh one the last one that we're going to cover today is showmanship and i save the best for last because one of the things I kind of mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast was that you never, ever want to underestimate the value in a, of entertainment in a presentation. So let, let me kind of repeat that one more time just because it is so important. never, ever, ever, ever underestimate the entertainment value in a presentation. Most speakers think that if they you know if they just give their audience the knowledge, the information that that they're required to, then uh, they've done their job um if, if they can do especially if they can do that without sounding like an idiot if we if I get my presentation across I don't throw up on my shoes and I don't sound like an idiot then I hey I've done my job but when you do that you're discounting one of the major parts of of a presentation is it's the entertainment value um if you whenever I think about this I kind of think of the old uh, the movie Ferris Bueller's day off where um the the teacher you know was uh, they, I think they' bring him in like three or four times in the in the in the movie and it's always funny it's always Hilarious because he he uh, the the actor who's playing um, uh, who, who's playing Ferris Bueller's teacher is really making the the teaching that he's doing sound so boring sounds so dry and and they look around and every time that he's speaking. It will. It will. The cameras will move to the kids who are in the audience, and they're you know kind of glassy eyed and everything. So that's the last thing in the, in the world that you want when you're presenting. You don't want a bunch of glassy eyed people sitting in your audience. You want people who are into your presentation. So putting some flair or some showmanship into your speech can really really help. Now, now obviously, if you add any of the other seven items that we've covered, those six things that I've covered in the in in the last hour or so. Uh, you're going to have a much more interesting delivery. And the key is to think of your, uh, think to yourself, as, after you've written the presentation, after you've designed the presentation and organized it well, then you want to kind of go back and say your final step is to say, how can I make this content more interesting? Whatever it is that I'm covering, how do I make this more interesting? and um i i'll give you an example sometimes if you just get creative you can you can come up with some really good stuff so i had a class member who was a line supervisor for a for uh, for a pharmaceutical comp, pharma, pharmaceutical company in uh, providence rhode island it went to my boston class years and years ago but the uh it, the, the pharmaceutical company that I worked for was amgen and amgen makes cancer drugs so um, a really cool job, really, really um, uh, interesting kind of job anyway, but one of this guy's main jobs was quality control of the drug line. So as a cancer line, cancer drug is coming off and, and being created or, or put into the pill form or whatever it was that he was doing. The, um, his job was to make sure that that had the highest quality, dosage and everything you know so to make sure that that the the people who are getting this drug are getting something safe and effective and and getting the the best that they can get right so what he did during this presentation was really cool i mean it's this has been I, I, probably twelve years ago that that this guy went through my class, and I still remember this. I still get chills, by the way, when I when I kind of think about it, just because it's such, it was such a cool piece of showmanship. So what he did was he went to the back of the room before he even started his presentation. He went to the back of the room. We had a coffee bar set up where you can get coffee and tea and stuff like that. And he took a sugar packet and he palmed it in his hand. He took he ripped the top off the sugar packet and kind of palmed his hand, and he gave his entire whatever it was ten or twelve minute speech or so that he was that he was given to us. Um, with that sugar packet palmed in his hand. And then the last thing he said before he he sat down is he looked at the audience. And he said, Hey, have any of you guys ever seen a million bucks, a million dollars? And of course we all shook our heads. No, you know, and, and, and all he did was without saying another word, he kind of looked at the audience. Well, actually he did say something. He said, he said, um, he said, well, in my industry, a million bucks looks like this. And he kind of flicked his wrist out to where the, a few of those sugar granules kind of, kind of fell on the table in front of him. And then he pointed to those, you know, 15, 20 or so little granules of sugar that popped that that fell on the the table in front of him. He said, if that much contaminant gets into one of our drug lines, we lose a million dollars worth of product like that. And he kind of snapped his fingers when he did it. It was it was so cool. It was a really dramatic way to make his point. And and we we all just kind of got we, we kind of got chills down our, our spine when he when he did it. It was just one of those things that kind of really stood out. So you can if you get creative and you use some showmanship along the way, you can you can add some really fun and interest to your presentation and make it make it more interesting for the audience. Make it where the audience will kind of pay attention to you more. So keep that in mind. Um, now, regardless of which of these ideas that you use, you got to do something different. If you're just doing what everybody else does in their in their PowerPoint presentations or in their presentations, you're probably not going to get the best results. So the ideas that I've covered in 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 the in this list of seven they're not exhaustive by any means. In fact, some of these you know, ideas may spark some creativity in, in somewhere totally different when, when you kind of hear them. And that's great. That's what you want. So the most important thing to remember, though, is that if you don't want, you just don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Make your speeches a little bit different. Make them a little more interesting. And if you do that, your audience will absolutely love you. So hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast, and uh, and and by the way, if you haven't yet uh, uh, subscribed to our podcast, make sure to do that on iTunes. Leave us a comment. By the way, if you like if you like what we're doing here, then make sure and leave us a positive comment uh, or, or negative comment for that real from for that matter, but but basically just gotta let us know if you like what we're doing here, uh, and uh, and by and keep. Given those presentations, if you uh, if you keep doing the things that we're talking about here on the podcast, you're just going to be a phenomenal presenter. You're going to grow more and more and more each week. So we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.